So the scripture uh, we're going to be looking at is uh, Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, about uh, Jesus entering Jericho. Anybody wants to turn there? He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of all my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So you notice in uh, verse 1, Jesus is just passing through. Just going through. Going from A to C. We do a lot of going through A to C in a given day, given a week. And then we get all the B stuff in the middle, which is just sort of like en route. So something happens en route in this story. That's why we're looking at it today. But uh, it happens to us every day. We get up and uh, we do the usual, and then we're in the car. We went from A to C. Whatever, what happened to the B part? Well... The usual. Is it always the usual? Is there never anything unusual? Like even something really like cool and doing a new thought, a new idea? And then we get in the car or whatever and go to school or go to work or go somewhere at A to C and got 15 minutes or two minutes or half an hour of B. This is what Jesus, he was just going through. Um, Sometimes we miss... uh, what happens in the, let's call it the in-betweens. We can miss things. Um, or we don't miss things. Like, I had a great thought when I was going from A to C. God, forgot about that or never thought of that before. I'm going to do something about that great thought. Or I just, uh, I just really noticed, like, the clouds are gone and the sun's out. Ah, thank you, Lord. Or... We have a lousy, terrible, nasty, sinful thought or behavior in the in-between because we are careless. We're focused on C and we weren't even thinking and before you know it, we screwed up. It makes us unhappy and sad. Or we see a friend and we notice him or her. That's, that's a good in-between. Or we go right past the friend because we're so focused on whatever, C. Or we get rear-ended. Sorry. That happens once in a while. In between going from A to C, somebody rear-ends us. And that's not much fun. So we may curse, as it were, in our own kind of way, the horizontal... Um, I'm sorry, we may curse sort of that, the in-between, or we may actually redeem the in-between. There's a lot of time given in a day for the in-betweens. We may live between the horizontality of our life, uh, full of love, full of awareness of God's sovereignty. It's a great life where you're living in the in-betweens as well as maybe in the beginning and the end, very thoughtful of God, very thoughtful of people. 
It's very hard because we have our routines and we're living sort of on our own kind of strength. Here we are in uh, Luke 19 in the in-between and we meet a character, the Z-Man, the little Z-Man maybe in this case, Uh, rich guy, probably reviled by a lot of people, and alone. What was he doing in Jesus' in-between? Somebody give me an answer. Obvious. What? Can't hear you. No, what was he doing in the in-between? That particular Tuesday morning. He was in a tree. Well, actually... What was, why was the point? Was why was he? What was he up to? Wanted to see Jesus. Well, he wanted to see Jesus. So a lot of you have heard the story. Have you ever asked yourself what prompted his wanting to see Jesus? Was it just curiosity? Like what's he look like? What's he sound like? It may have been. The Bible isn't super clear on that at all. But he was seeking. It's a pretty strong word. One day I was going for a walk up, uh, up the road from my, se- uh, from my house there in central, beautiful central Tacoma. And uh, I walked past the house on the hill, next street over from mine, saw a man sitting on the porch having a smoke. Nice to see you. Never met him before. He, I think he said, nice to see you too. Walked a few more feet, and God said, I want you to talk to that man. God has often said that to me. I want you to talk to that guy. It's almost always on walks, and uh, I often fuss, but I always do it. Um, and I've had some interesting little tete-a-tetes with people. This time I said, I will do it. Do you mind if I walk around the block? The Lord didn't seem to mind. So I walked around the block. And, uh, well, I mean, I, I wasn't struck dead. Um, <laughs> so I came around back, and uh, there he was still sitting on the porch. I was really glad. I said, hi, um, I'm Don. I'm Jim. I, I was on the outside of the gate. We started talking. <clears throat> Turns out he was from North Dakota, and I'm from Manitoba. That's sort of two alien countries side by side. And north and south. And um, yeah, I used to be a school teacher. Me too. I've got cancer, he said. Oh, I had cancer. All these commonalities. We both played hockey. He probably played better than I did, but we didn't, we didn't mention that part. And so it was, a nice, it was a nice chat. We connected. Hey, it's great to see you. I went home so dang pumped up. Thank you, Lord, for that little in-between. And uh, so I, I walked by his house. Other days, he wasn't there. But one day, he was there. Jim, how you doing? He said, come on in. Come on up on the porch. And uh, I think it was one of those days I said, uh, we got talking about whatever, and I told him how my dad became a believer. And he, was, he listened very carefully. I often tell people the gospel through a story 
of someone else, and it's frequently about my dad. My dad was one tough dude, didn't care a rip about God until 41, and then I may tell you today a little bit of what happened. <clears throat> he said at the end, uh, I think I know that. I, I, I think I know that born again thing. So that got us talking about being born again because I had used that deliberately. And that eventually got me into his house for tea. I don't drink coffee. And we got more friendlier, and then he got sicker, and I hit the hospital with him, and then I went to the rehab and a bunch of other things. And uh, one day Bunny said, let's skip church. I wasn't an elder then. <laughs> and let's, uh, let's do church with Jim and Kathy. So we called. Could we come in and like, just like break bread? So we did, and three, two or three siblings were there, or relatives were there. They weren't all happy that I was there. Some were. And so we did our little thing. We sang, I think, and I gave a little sermon. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? That's sort of church. And then we had gone to the store and got a little grape juice and some buns. We broke bread. That was the one time we got to do that. Before you know it, he died. And then they asked me if I'd bring the funeral. So I got a chance to share the gospel with, I don't know, 300 people. All because God said, go talk to that man. Why did, uh, why did he want to go to see Jesus? Could you pick, flick on John, uh, 1 John, or John 6.44? John 6.44 says, well, what does it say? Is it there yet? There it is. Ooh, bring it down, please. Here we go. No one, Jesus says, can come to me unless the Father draws him. And the idea even of like dragging, not like in a rough way, just dragging or drawing. No one can come to me, says Jesus, unless the Father does something. I'd like you to get that today. It's glorious news. The whole deal about sharing the gospel isn't all up to you. Like what to say, how to do it. I got a hunch. Not going to argue it too strongly. That God was drawing Zacchaeus that day. It's a glorious thing. Do you know, do you know how much God loves you? Do you really know? Do you really know how much he loves you? How much the Father loves you? How much the Lord Jesus loves you? How much the Spirit loves you right now? Do you know? Are you super duper happy about it? Are you often delighted, like in wonder, in praise? Do you know? God so loves Zacchaeus that he gave his only son and you and me. This is a critical thing in our life. We need to know that we're loved. If we know that we're loved, the in-betweens and the A's and the C's will have a different hue, a different tone, a different quality. Because you're loved. And if you're loved, you are chilling. You are able to relax. You can just be who you are. You can 
take off the masks. You can reach out and take a risk because you're loved. You're safe. It's good. Well, I don't know if Zacchaeus knew he was loved, but he was going to find out really soon. That's what I love about this. So he climbed a tree. <laughs> it's the funniest picture. How old was this guy? 34, 64, I don't know. Climbs a tree. One commentary I said indicated it was easy to climb a tree. Well, it's, I'm 75. It's not easy to climb a tree. Uh, so maybe he was a lot younger, and he climbed a tree. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, because he wanted to see Jesus. My dad, I'll tell it real quickly, my dad was 41. He was an alcoholic. He did not treat my mother super well. Wasn't, didn't hit her, just was secretive. It was really hard to live in that context. Is my dad going to come home? And, uh, and go straight past us? Is he going to fall asleep on his plate? What's going to happen? A lot of that stuff happened over those early years. When I was 10, my sister got married to a man in the church down the street around the corner. So my dad had to go to church, probably the first time in his life. And he met, he met, my, he met his son-in-law's dad. And his son-in-law's dad, Jim, another Jim, was a very sweet man, elder in the church, and he loved my dad. He loved my dad. And I think my dad knew that he was loved by this religious person. And so they hobnobbed a little bit here and there. And then along came a, um, what they call an evangelistic crusade in that church. And he, my dad got invited by Jim. Jim, the guy who loved him. Jim was the, like the first Christian he knew, and he's a very nice man. I think it was confusing for my dad. My dad said, no way, Jose. Then he put a suit on Sunday afternoon, and he went to the church, and he stood outside the church. <laughs> like looking at a tree. Should I go up and see Jesus? I'm an idiot. If I go up, I'm going to go up. So he went in, and he came home, and I think I still remember I was 10. I'm never going back to that thing. But see, this was a crusade. They go on for a long time. He went on Monday. I forget what happened Monday. But he went, and then he went back Tuesday, and he didn't come home at the usual time with my mother, 9 o'clock, when the thing was over. Phone rang at 10. It's like a restaurant sound. And my dad said, uh, I got saved tonight. My sister, 12-year-old, and me, 10-year-old. Wow. He came home. Life changed. There was a song in the house. I didn't know there was a song missing before. And really, even as a 10-year-old, I understood the imagery. There was light before it was dark. I didn't know it was dark. I just knew it was lousy lots of times. It was light and joy, and we danced. We did a con- the conga line. We sort of held on each other. Weird. But it, it, was, it, it, was, I, it was okay. I was 10 and I was willing to hang on to somebody and do the, do the dance. Because that's how happy we were. Um, that's one of the stories, kids. It happens. God draws people. God drew my dad. Hanging outside that church, not wanting to go in. No way. One of my brothers may see me going in. 
or whatever. But God was drawing him. Unless God draws, nobody comes. But you don't have to draw people, and I don't have to. I just need to be a light and love to people. And I'll only be a light and love if I know I'm loved. Then I'm good to go. People who know they're loved, love. Is that right? Would you agree with that? Once you get loved by somebody, it's sort of easier to love other people because you've got a smile and say, how are you doing? Slap, slap. Because you're loved. It's good. You're safe. You're important. You're valued. You're valued, you guys. You're valued. So am I. It's a great thing to be valued. So down the main street comes Jesus. <laughs> or whatever street that was in that particular Jericho. He was heading, it turns out, if you read a little farther, he's going to Jerusalem. So A to, a to C, and here's the B. In between. No in-betweens for Jesus. And I'd like it for us more and more that there's no like empty in-betweens. That's the message today. We see Jesus on mission. And this is the emphasis I'm trying to bring today. It's for us to love other people. We're a church that says we're on mission, but a lot of us aren't on mission. Why? Well, lots of reasons. But it may be because you don't know you're loved. You'll love your neighbor if you know you're loved. You will. Buddy and I this afternoon are going to go uh, with a little piece of paper. Once again, this is the ninth year, and we're going to knock on all our neighbors' doors. Say, hey, we're having our spring celebration. Bring a plant, $5 or less. Here's, here's what we're eating. Here's what you can bring. Buddy and I did that. We came to Soma in, 19, in uh, 2000. And, yeah, woof. Heard that one. Uh, 2006, and uh, we got, we, we said the first time we came to Soma, this is the place. This is the place, let's buy a house. I think our kids said, you guys are like a little, could you slow down a bit? Um, but we had found the place. We bought the house. We moved in the house in January and March. It's not bragging. I'm just saying how it works. It can work. In, by March, we're knocking on doors. Now, normally, in a, when you move in, somebody comes and gives you a pie, right? Well, you, it's, at least that's the American image. Hi, it's, welcome to our home, uh, to our neighborhood. We were doing the opposite and saying, hi, we're Donna Bunny. We're new. Come on over. We're going to have a little spring thing. And we got 10 or 12 people, and now we know people in 25 homes, and they've all been in our home. Some have stopped coming. They don't like us anymore, don't like the, what we say, probably, but, but we still love them. Uh, being on mission. Jesus is always on mission. He says, I came to call the righteous, came to call the, whoops, not to call the righteous, but sinners. Came to call sinners to repentance. That's what we're doing here in our street. What are you doing in your street or in your mission community? You come to call sinners to repentance? Because they need to. But you know what? You don't have to do it all because Jesus, because God is drawing some people. And he will lead you to those people. So here's Jesus standing under a tree. I don't know what the disciples say. Like, dude, we've got a mission. We're on our way to Jerusalem. And what did he say? What did he say? Zacchaeus? He knew his name. It's such a fun thing. Hurry. 
hurry and come down. He didn't say, you idiot, what are you doing up there? Some of us might have said that. We're going we're gonna to lunch. Let's, let's do lunch at your house. I love that. Let's do lunch. Who had ever said to Zacchaeus, let's do lunch? Well, his agents, the guys who were working for him. What, what else can they say? Um, here's, here's, the, here's the guy that he wanted to see. And man, what did he see? L-O-V-E. Hey, that rhymes. Um, but that's, you can do a song in that one. I want to stay at your house. So Mark has, and Rosanna are like awesome people who have so many critters in their house. And so many people come. He's going to tell a little story. No, you're the, sorry. Go, go ahead. I apologize. I'm getting too relaxed up here. This is like today is the old old guy show. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, Don called me yesterday and said, "Hey, why don't you just tell a little bit of story about what um, what God has been doing in Gig Harbor?" And I, when I started thinking about this, what came to mind is another one of Jesus' statements in Matthew 22, where. Um, the, a Pharisee came and asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And I don't know if you guys remember this, but he responded kind of in two parts. He said, the first part is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. But then he goes on and he says, and the second part is like it. It's equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's just really interesting to me. I've begun to notice a lot how many times in Scripture... Scripture ties together loving God and loving people. You just don't get to do one or the other. And so, um, like Don and Bunny's story, we came to Soma about 10 years ago now um, and began to just ask the question um, under the, the great influence of this family, what does it look like to love our neighborhood? Um, honestly, our neighborhood looked a whole lot different than most of the neighborhoods that people were loving on in Tacoma. Um, It's older, like us. Um, It's a little wealthier, um, a little more sort of comfortable with life. And so we kind of asked the question, is it really going to work? Is this thing going to work in that kind of a context? And the way it started for us was basically just throwing three neighborhood parties a year. We threw three big neighborhood parties and kind of got into a rhythm of that. People expected it, used that as a way to just get to know people, um, having lots of people in our homes. And Don and Bunny actually challenged and encouraged us to begin to prayer walk our neighborhood. And we prayed. I needed the exercise anyway. Um, so walked the neighborhood and asked God to show us how to love these people in ways that matter to them. And he answered that in crazy ways. Um, that was 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago. And while I would love to tell you that God has um, brought tremendous fruit in the sense of um, people coming to know Jesus and being baptized and that kind of thing. Um, We've actually seen fairly limited fruit, at least in that obvious sort of sense. Um, But one of the things that God has really impressed on our hearts over the last 10 years is that this life of mission is not a project we add to life. It's not something, in fact, I love Don's 
passage here this morning because Jesus isn't adding something to... He didn't, apparently anyway, schedule a stop in Jericho um, to talk to Zacchaeus. He was on his way, and the Father had a plan. Um, And I just can't tell you how many times over the last several many years that God has used those initial relationships that we built in a neighborhood party or in a dinner or something like that... um, to begin to just open doors for us to communicate with people. Um, I could tell you lots of stories. I don't have a lot of time for that. But um, one of the things that we really have learned is that, that this life is not a project. It's not something I get to add to life. It's actually a principle we organize life around, that God has called us to love people first and to not see them as a distraction, but to see them as our primary calling. Um, and in fact, the rhythm that God has brought us into in our missional community now is that we um, have a neighborhood dinner one Monday night, and then on the opposite Monday nights, we meet with our Christians to just encourage and equip and pray through what does that look like for us to reach into our neighborhood. And God's given us enormous favor with our neighborhood. I was about, I don't know, about a month ago, month, uh, month and a half ago, when, after, after we'd taken a little break for the holidays, and we had... 30, 27, 30 people, something like that, in the home for... And people just telling us how wonderful it is that somebody has, has drawn the neighborhood together. They, a lot of the people said, I've lived here all my life and I don't know my neighbors until we started hanging out with you guys. Mm-hmm. And so God's called us to love people and, in, and to make um, gospel conversation a regular part of life. Um, we want to show them what it looks like to be loved, and we want to explain to them why we love people. Um, now, one of the more explicit things we do, and um, it's kind of in this whole mix of how we are interacting with people, is that we do a thing that many of you are familiar with called the story of God. Um, and in fact, I'd ask you to pray because Roseanne and I are going to be doing that with a group of our neighbors um, and some other folks next weekend. Um, we've done this, I think this is the fourth time now, Several times we do the kind of a 10-week Monday night sort of a series. We've discovered that for a lot of people, it's really difficult to commit to 10 weeks. And so we're going to give it a shot and do a half-day Saturday morning and half-day Sunday afternoon um, and get through the story of God in a weekend. Um, So we'll see what happens. Um, We know we've got some neighbors coming, and I think Nick and Marielle are going to be there, and... Um, I, Dave and Becky aren't here this morning, but um, so I guess the bottom line in this is that um, I want to just encourage you, and whatever it looks like for you, because our rhythms are probably not going to be the same as yours, but in whatever concept, context it looks for you, I would want to just encourage you to, to ask, pray that same kind of prayer. Ask God, what, how would you have me love these people, these people that you've called me to, these people that you've planted around me, probably a neighborhood, perhaps workplace, uh, perhaps, I don't know, something else you're interested in um, or get involved in school, you know, that kind of thing. How would you have me love these people in ways that matter to them? And I, I promise you, you pray that prayer, you will get answers. Um, some of those answers might actually stretch you outside your comfort zone. Um, about, well, two years ago, we started to pray. We'd, God had shown us a lot of favor with our neighbors, and I'd begun to actually pray and ask him, so, okay, Lord, we're loving a lot of people that are kind of like us. What about, 
um, the least of these? What about people that are not just like us? How do we love those people? I don't want to go do a project over, you know, nothing wrong with it, but I don't want to go to the Union Gospel Mission once a week where I can't really build a relationship with people. I want to see how you would bring people into our lives. And I think some of you know that God has brought a couple of different guys, a couple of different people into our lives. One of them lived with us for a year. And we were able to see God do amazing things in discipling a man as he just lived with us for a year. Um, very different kind of a context or, uh, and circumstance than us. So to Don's great point this morning about loving people, um, you know, you, you can't read First John, the, the book of First John, very much without encountering this idea that if you don't love people, the chances are there's something wrong with our love for God. Because um, that's where it starts. When he breaks my heart with what he did for me, that has to flow out into the way I love people. And so, like I said, I don't have a lot of time to show you a whole bunch of stories, but... Um, I just believe that as we begin to ask that or pray that prayer, God will show us how to love people, how to lay down our lives for people. And we'll actually see fruit in that because people really are hungry mm. to be loved. Amen. So in the, uh, in the chapter that we're looking at, 10 verses, you have repentance that happens. Now the word R-E-P-E-N-T is not there, but it's there in... Uh, in the fruits of repentance. It's quite a remarkable, and maybe it's pretty, obviously it's an abbreviated story, but if you look at the passage, again, you see that, um, well, first of all, you get a lot of negative, like a lot of negativity from the crowd, who, of course, likely despise this guy because he's ripped him off and they know it. He's rich and they're not. And Zacchaeus uh, stops and says to the Lord, I am going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, he still was maturing, so he probably had defrauded lots of people, but it, so he throws in the if, um, I will give back four times as much. Way over what was required scripturally, he had become a generous man. He had become a generous man in maybe like an hour or minutes because Jesus had stopped. And it's quite a wonderful story. So Jesus declares, today salvation has come to this house because he's the son of Abraham. And then he gives the teaching. For the Son of Man did not come to seek and to save, I'm sorry, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. You know, lost people don't know they're lost, even when they're lost, like in the woods. Oh, I can make it out, I'll just go and try another road, and it takes a long time before they finally say, okay, I'm lost. Or whether it's a forest or a building, or me in a car saying, oh, golly, which is north and which is south? Uh, but I'm okay, I'll, I'll be fine. Um, this is the Lord Jesus. He has come to seek and to save the lost. Who does he use? He uses his representatives. He uses us, his children. But he draws. God draws people. So I had this thought as Mark was, uh, was talking. Here's an application. Maybe it's from the Lord. 
You may have people who are not even in your company, your school, your street. They're old friends. It's an old friend. You haven't talked to that old friend for maybe 10 years. Maybe, maybe God would call you to renew that friendship. Start just with the friendship. Hey, what's, going, what's happening? Here's what I'm doing. Where are you doing? Can we talk? Maybe miles away. There's so many different ways. I mean, I've emphasized our street. Mark emphasized his larger neighborhood. But as he said, there's many ways in which uh, God would use us in the, um, in, in the in-betweens so that they don't become in-betweens anymore. They're actually the destination. They're actually the sea. So would you be willing to ask the Lord to clue you in on who he's drawing that you know? Would you be willing today to do that? Lord, are you drawing anybody on my street, anybody in my school, anybody in my workplace, anybody anywhere? Are you drawing in my relatives? Are you drawing anybody, Lord? What are you doing? Would you clue me in? Would you, would you give me guidance? He's quite willing to. Would you be willing to do that today? Here's what we're going to how are we going to wrap up. If you're with a family, you've got your family here, I'd like you to pray uh, just with your family. If you're uh, j- just a couple or just uh, you're with a few buddies or whoever, then I'd like you to encourage you to pray for one another uh, in these next, which is going to be a little, little, little bit of time just to ask the Father, Lord, are you drawing somebody? Is there someone you want me or some people you want me to reach out to? Now, you may not be willing. Then uh, I want to encourage you, Lord, would you show me how much you love me? Because I'm having trouble. I'm unwilling in part because I'm, I don't, I don't want to do that. Which is another way of saying I really don't love people or that person. So you may want to pray or may want to confess that and ask for help from somebody else here. You can stay in your seats and just pray together or you can just sort of step up so you can get in a little bit of a group. And um, are you up for this? You're a loved people, and we're called to love, and we can only love because we know we're loved. And uh, so let's, let's pray. Lord, help us to pray right now.